Blessed be God forevermore. Hebrews chapter 4. It says, Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Uh, if you throw that verse 2 up in the Amplified Classic, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, <clears throat> we understand that the book of Hebrews, um, it's called the book of Hebrews because it's written to the Jew, uh, written to the Hebrew people, and it's uh, largely believed that there is some contention over who wrote the book of Hebrews, but it is largely believed by most theologians that the Apostle Paul is in fact the author of the book of Hebrews because there is uh, very similar language uh, used that is very consistent with the Pauline epistles and Paul's writings. So it is largely believed that it is, in fact, Paul addressing the Hebrews, but uh, there is some level of contention about that issue. However, he is addressing uh, some very important issues for them, and he's trying to get them to understand how to walk uh, and how to live by faith. And as he is helping them to uh, deal with faith, one of the tenets of faith, he is giving them the understanding that he said the same good tidings. If you notice here, it says, For we indeed have had the glad tidings, the gospel of God proclaimed to us just as truly as they, the Israelites of old, did when a news of deliverance from bondage came to them. He is using a story that they would be very familiar with, of course, the Israelites being delivered uh, from Egypt and into the promised land. They all would be very familiar with that story. And he is using that as an example to help them understand that the gospel was preached to them as well as it was a preach, it's preached to us. And he's helping them understand that because they are currently rejecting, or at that time, they are rejecting Jesus and they are rejecting the faith. He's trying to help them to see they're doing the exact same thing and they're missing out on the good news. Now, uh, Jesus himself said that, uh, you know, he opened the book, found where he was or found himself in the book and he began to read and said, um, I came to preach uh, good news or glad tidings or the gospel unto the poor, uh, to bind up the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to them that are bound, to recover his sight to them that are blind. And then he says, um, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And so we understand the acceptable year of the Lord certainly speaks to uh, the being accepted or being saved or the salvation that comes through your belief in Christ. Now, that is only one of the gospels or one of the factors of good news, because how many of you know there's a lot more good news than just the fact that you have been saved? And he says, I came to preach the gospel to the poor. Well, what is the gospel to the poor? You don't have to be poor no more. What is the gospel to the sick? You don't have to be sick no more. So he is literally uh, explaining the good news. And then here it says, when God proclaimed uh, the good news, the Israelites of old, when they got the good news of what? Deliverance from bondage. And he no noticed that's the good news. So the same good news that was preached to them was preached to us. And they call it both the gospel. And so when people try to limit the gospel into just salvation, you understand you are now only taking a piece of the gospel and you're not taking the full gospel. Because you can either read one heading of the newspaper or you can read the whole paper. But the whole paper includes a lot of different subjects, a lot of different categories, and a lot of different things that come with your salvation. And the reason why that it didn't work for them is because they didn't mix it with faith. Or in other words, they did not have the proper image on the inside of them as to what that salvation looked like. 
Every time they came out of bondage, they wanted to go back to it. Uh, when they came out of Egypt, they, the first thing they're wanting to do is to go back to Egypt. And so they could not seem to get themselves to a place of recognizing what their image uh, looks like and who they really are. Then comes along two people, Joshua and Caleb, who said, we are uh, well able to overcome and these people are bred for us. Let us go at once and obtain what the Lord told us we have. But there were 10 other spies who had an evil report and the 10 outweighed the two. And so the two had one image that says, I'm, a, I'm victorious, I can conquer, we can overcome. God said, we can have it, we can have it. Ten other ones said, I'm not sure, God, we can have it because there's giants in the land and it doesn't look so good and we are grasshoppers in our own sights and so we are in theirs. And because the image that they had of themselves trumped their own belief and faith in God, they could not mix it with faith and they never made it. So then Paul warns, he says that even if you seem to not come short of it or to seem to come short of it. He said, you ought to fear that. You ought to be afraid. You ought to be, uh, and not afraid in the sense of fear, you know, run, scaredy cat, uh, you know, boo, and you jump. But fear in the sense of a reverential fear, you ought to be concerned with the outcome. That you are not counted or numbered among the people who could come close to it. You could see it, but you couldn't have it. Now, that takes us to Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Because when you have the proper image on the inside of yourself, then faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So your hope is your image, and faith can only build what's in your heart that you hope for. So then when your image is wrong, then whatever your faith can build, or let me say it this way, whatever is in your life currently, your faith has built. And if what you have in your life is not what you wanted, then that's what you're hoping for, and that's what you got. So if you want something different, then you better build a better image. This is why sometimes there's a cycle of abuse that, that runs in people's lives. Uh, sometimes when I've, I've dealt with spiritual guidance with some men, if they come out of families where uh, their parents were abusive in some way, shape, or form, and notice I said parents because it's, it's sometimes uh, alluded to or the idea that only men abuse women, but that is not true anymore. Women abuse men just as much as the other way around. And so when people come out of those types of relationships, when a young lady comes out of seeing that type of thing, there's an image built in her that that's what it looks like. And she is more apt to tolerate that in her own relationship, unfortunately, and then will stay in a relationship. And most people look and say, girl, don't you know you're worth more than that? No, she does not know she's worth more than that because she has an image. And that image is that's what life looks like. This is why the cycle of poverty is so hard to break. People who come from impoverished households, they grew up in poverty, so they only know poverty. Therefore, when they look around, they only see poverty. Did you know, statistically speaking, that the average child who grows up in a house where the parents rent will then become a renter themselves? It's a huge statistic, fact, not fiction. Why? Because that's the image. And so that, therefore, you've got to be very careful what image you build into your children because even if you are not necessarily at the place where you have arrived, which really, to be honest, none of us have ever really arrived, but we always want to be careful what kind of image we're placing into our children because the vision you give your child will ultimately affect and guide their life. I do not want my child to be amused or entertained by McDonald's. I want my child to know that there's lobster out there and there's things that are far better than McDonald's. Why? Because I do not want some shaggy knucklehead looking like a struck match dude to come around my house and think he can impress my child with nonsense. It's really that simple. It doesn't matter what kind of car he drives, she will have one better. 
Can I hear a better amen? <clears throat> she will not be impressed with the nonsense. She'll be looking at the content of his character. <laughs> yeah. So, Romans 1.18, you ready? <laughs> you ain't ready. Here we go. You ready? All right. Remember you said that. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteous men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Behold, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. What is he saying? He's telling you... That there are so many things that if you would just look around you, it is impossible for you not to see divine creation and intelligent design at work. When you see a bumblebee that can sting you, but yet he is necessary uh, in order for flowers to bloom and grow and for the things to happen, how sensitive the, the, the ecosystem is and how dependent upon various things that I would rather say, I don't know why we need bugs. I wish we'd get rid of every single bug. I don't like a bug. I don't like not, I don't like not narrow, narrow one of bugs. But they are very necessary in order for us to survive. And so to think that all of that happened, you would have to, in my opinion, I need more faith to believe that we slid off the back of an ice cube than I do to believe there was intelligent design. When you look at the human body, you look at the nature of who we are and how uh, everything in our body works in a certain way and every part and function and has and it responds to, to the world in a certain It's just too much for me to believe that this all accidentally happened. So then what he's saying is that whatever you see around you, if you've seen the majesty of mountains or you've seen the beauty of the sea and you watch the ocean, how could you even sit there and think that somebody didn't create this? Somebody painted this picture from a heavenly idea and a heavenly concept that said, how, who told the ocean that it can only come this far? Who hung the stars and the moon? Who made the sun come up? It has to be divine. There's got to be a creator. He said, and in very creation, you should be able to see the very handiwork of God so that you will not be able to be up there and say, I didn't know. Or let me correct my language. You won't be down there saying, well, I didn't know. Because only a fool will say there is no God. Which is why when people say, well, if you have, you know, Christmas and Easter celebrating your God, how come, you know, we as atheists don't have our own holiday? You do. It's April 1st. <laughs> Qu quit acting like you don't have a holiday. You got one. April Fool's Day. <clears throat> and so he says you're without excuse because you can look around you and see the majesty and the, and the awe and the auspiciousness of our God and his abilities because he flexes his muscles on a daily basis. And you have to be able to see it. Notice then what he goes on to say. <clears throat> he says, all of those things are made so that you're without excuse. Verse 20, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. They became vain in their imagination. They became vain in the images and their vain in their images that they had in their head. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. 
and change the glory of an incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible men into birds and four-footed beasts and creepy things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to their uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts and dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God has given them up to their vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of woman, burned in their lust one towards one another. Men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, even though they did not like to retain the image of God in their knowledge, even though they did not like to retain the image of God in their knowledge, God gave them over to their reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, Deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, uh, unmerciful, who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do them uh, do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. He says they could not retain the image, so he gave them over to the image they had. Because somehow the world, they said he served the creation more than the creator. In other words, they allowed the systems of the world to continue to cast images into their lives until they began to adopt images that were the creator's, uh, the creature's images and not the creator's images. And so they began to redefine the world definition from a biblical worldview into a worldly worldview. And so then you wonder why every time you see a sitcom or a TV show today, there has to be a token homosexual mixed relationship all up in the mix somewhere. Because and that has to be somewhere bedded in the theme and, and then you wonder is that life imitating art or art imitating life and he says the problem that I have is that it, it caused people with all these images everything you continue to see and ingest into your life begins to reshape your views and then all of a sudden now you walk around saying well it's just not so bad it's not so big a deal you know, don't worry about it or you even take pleasure in people who do these things and you just placate yourself by saying I'm not a part of that But you become desensitized to it because you don't understand that just like, uh, you know, violence when it comes to these uh, video games and, uh, you know, certain things that, you know, people can just push a button and everything resets. And so they run around these video games murdering folks and killing people and then they hit a button and everybody comes back up. You watch all these movies and you see people dying in the movies and then months later they're standing and receiving an award. And the first thing they say is I'd like to thank God. For your booty shaking video. Really. You are thanking God for this award that you received about your rump shaker. And it's amazing to me how many people think that because they don't understand the level of images that continue to come at them, how it begins to reprogram them to think and to believe differently. It's like when there used to be uh, pagers back in the day, and then there's cell phones, and then there's, you know, then the cell phone became a smartphone. There was no texting on the old phones back in the day. You couldn't text anybody. You want to send by a worded message, you had to uh, send them an email. Now, then they invented these smartphones, and the smartphones ironically made you dumb. Because now you sit at a place 
in a restaurant with someone who you claim to love and you spend the majority of your time looking at your phone. You have watched people who are supposed to be intelligent enough to look where they are going, but they are not because they are looking at their phone as they are walking around with their head lowered, getting a crook in their neck, bumping into stuff. Did you know that you are more likely to die from taking a selfie than you are to be bitten by a shark? Listen to me. There is a word. It's called killfies. And it's someone who has been killed while taking a selfie. You are more likely to, do, to die, fall off a cliff trying to get the perfect shot. If that ain't the craziest thing you ever did here. But my point I'm getting at is all of these images are, are, are pushed towards you from every different angle in order to reprogram and retrain you. And so then they came up with these watches. I am very analog. You're not going to get on my wrist and follow me everywhere I go. I, unlike many of you, have read the book 1984. And if you want to know what I'm talking about, go read it. And if you read it, you'll find exactly what's going on right now. <laughs> but here's my point. The, the pursuit and the goal is to get to you and to be on you at all times in order to program you so that you do not have the independence of free thought, but you are now moving in a system that is, that is designed to derail you and to destroy you and lead you into destruction because the earth and the world are not the same. The earth is the physical... And for all those who think the earth is flat, you're crazy because the earth is round, but it's the sphere of the earth. And everything in it is the earth. But the system that runs the earth is the world. And we are not a part of the world system. We are merely in the world system. But the world system continues to treat, try to give you so many images to spark your imagination, to bring you to a place where your image of what it should be has changed. And here's what he is saying. They left the natural use of a woman. In other words, what they were supposed to do with women, they are now doing with men. And he says, how did that happen? Because they started serving the creature versus the creation. They're, they lost their image. And he said, now I gave them over to their image because their image was a reprobate mind or a reprobate image. And so I gave them over to it so that it would destroy them and they would get what is meat or what is appropriate. That's why when the Bible says a help meet, it's not a help mate, it's a help meet. The difference between a help mate and a help meet, you can mate with anyone. A help meet is the one who's appropriate for you. This is why those of you that are single, stop acting like God has done something wrong to you. He is looking for one who is appropriate. And in the process, trying to make you appropriate for them, which is the bigger problem. Because you have not learned that he loves them just as much as he loves you. And he loves them enough not to give them you. So, <laughs> I know, God's still working on me. We, we know. <laughs> the problem is you ain't working on you. So, <laughs> I, I, I know. So, anyway, y'all. <clears throat> So it gives them over to their reprobate mind or to whatever image they have in their head, and that's what begins to uh, work in their life. And that's why he says, um, 
they have literally changed the image. And when you change the image, uh, when you allow life circumstances to change your image, when you understand that, uh, you begin to realize. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. When you allow life circumstances to begin to, divine, to define your position because you are in a certain condition, you have allowed the world to change your image. Whatever the image is that you have, you have to learn and discern that you do not walk by sight, but you walk by faith. When you walk by faith, faith is not tied to your sight. Your sight may tell you something completely different. What you see may be contrary to what you believe. You may see a whole bunch of bills and not a whole lot of money, but that does not mean that your faith is telling you that's the permanent nature of your consequence and your situation. You have to begin to rise above what it is that you see in your condition and your circumstances and begin to believe God for what God is about to do in you and through you because we walk not by sight but we walk by faith the word walk is pateo if you understand uh, uh, latin or spanish pata is your feet peri pateo is the word that we walk by faith peri means around somewhere that is uh, a well-beaten path pateo means to walk in other words, I have walked this thing so many times that I know how to do it with my eyes closed. I don't need to see anything to understand what my God is doing. Because the moment I become tied to what my eyes see, I become controlled by the images of the world. But as long as I can remain distant from what my eyes see and never allow it to change what is working on the inside of me, then it's a well-beaten path. I remember years ago when I was young, there was a creek that separated two neighborhoods. And you would go through, I would go through on my bike so many times all of us would go through there that it wore out the plants and you could see the path it was a well-beaten path so now you can ride through there flying on your bike because you knew that path was open because you had been through it so many times. See, I need you to understand when he says we walk by faith, it's a well-beaten path. It means, listen, devil, I done been down this road before. You have tried this nonsense with me before. I'm not going to give in and let you change just because I see certain things. God has showed up for me way too many times for you to get in and think that you're going to change the way I think. I have been down this road way too many times. Yay, as I walk through the valley of the shadow death I shall fear no evil for he is with me and I begin to walk just literally by impulse and by understanding and by nature because it has been drilled into me over and over and over and over and over and over and over that my God is well able that my God has never forsaken me that my God has never left me it has been drilled on the inside of me that when I walk I don't walk by what I see I walk by what I know and what I believe and he guides me and leads me because he is my shepherd and I shall not walk and it becomes the place inside of me that I begin to walk from a place that is not of what I see. Because what I see never lines up with what I believe. <laughs> and it's not supposed to. Amen. Mark chapter 9, verse 16. Mark chapter 9, verse 16. <sighs> My goodness. Blessed be God forevermore. Glory to God. 
God, my God. Mark 9, 16. When he asked the scribes, what question ye with them? One of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which have a dumb spirit, whosoever, uh, and wheresoever he taketh him and teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generations, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, fell on the ground, wild and foaming. He asked his father, How long ago is it since this came on him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. He said, look, I, 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 brought these, I brought my son to your disciples. He said, and they couldn't do anything. So now I'm coming to you. Jesus said, well, that's good because my disciples can't do anything, so you had to bring them to me. No, he says, well, how long am I to put up with this? Faithless generation. In other words, he expected them to be able to handle it. And you just see that. Because so many people think, well, I don't have power. Yes, you do. And if Jesus was the only one who could heal, he would have said, yeah, they, well, you had, the reason why they couldn't do anything, because they can't. And he would have said nothing about faithless generation, how long would I have to suffer and put up with you. He would have just said, bring it to me and I'll handle it. So then he says, well, if you can help us, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And see, many people do not understand the nature of faith where this man has brought his son, he brought it to the disciples, and he threw the ball. It's like, a, it's like a, you're watching a game of spiritual tennis. And here, this man tried to lob the ball to the disciples, and the disciples said, we can't do anything about it. He comes to Jesus, so he tries it with him. So he says, if you can help us, help us. And he hits the ball into Jesus' court. Jesus takes it and says, yeah, but if you can believe, and throws it right back to him. Because so many people want to push the ball off to God. They want to push it off on him. God, if you can help me, help me. If you can do this, do The problem is if you're asking if, you don't have an image. You don't know what he can do. That's why you're asking if. You know, that's why when people say, if it be thy will, if it be thy will, what are you talking about? How do you pray if it be thy will? You better find his will. You better do some research to find his will. Once you find his will, you can stand on his will. Once you can stand on his will, then you have a position to never ask again if it be thy will. Now I'm not asking, I'm commanded. Now I'm not just talking, I'm decreeing. Because I understand that I have a position when it's on my responsibility for my image. The moment you try to push it off on God, Jesus hit it right back to him. And said, what can you believe? Because whatever you can believe, I can do. If you believe I can heal him, I can heal him. If you believe I can put this on temporary hold, I can put it on temporary hold. If you can believe that I can just get a wart off of his back, I can do that too. Whatever it is you can believe to the extent that you can believe, that's what I can do. Because all things, not some things, all things. Not a few things, all things. Not just a couple, all things are possible to him that believe. So then according to the measure in which you can believe is the measure in which I can respond. So if you want me to respond, you better get a better image of who I am because once you elevate your position with me, then I can move in that because I can do it. So don't ask me what I can do. What can you believe me for? You see it? Good, because that leads us right into Psalms. That's good. 
3527. He said, whatever your image is, whatever you can believe, that's what I can do. <laughs> but it's according to you. See, now it flies in the face of the idea because people will blame God in a minute. How come God won't answer my prayer? How come he won't believe him for it? Or, or, you want, or you pray and say, God, if this person ain't supposed to be in my life, take him out of my life. God never put him in your life in the first place. You met them in a the club. <laughs> so you should go back to the club and tell the club, take this person out of my life. Because that's the person who brought your... And, and the truth of the matter is, Jack Daniels and Jim Beam is the one. And Mr. Belvedere... Y'all don't talk to me. Let them shout for joy and be glad. They that favor my. Yay. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Let them shout for joy and be glad. They that favor my righteous cause. Who should shout for joy and be glad? The ones that favor his righteous cause, God's righteous cause. So if you favor his righteous cause, then you have the right to shout for joy and be glad. 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 And be glad. Why? Because I favor his righteous cause. Now, here's my question. In all of your screaming, in all of your excitement, and in all of your adulation, did God get any bigger? No, he did not. You cannot make God bigger. God is big all by himself. But I can tell you what did happen. He got bigger on the inside of you. And when he got bigger on the inside of you, that's the important part of having according to what you can believe. When I walk around quoting scripture to myself, I am not thinking that somehow I have the ability to make God bigger. God is big all by himself. But what I am doing is I'm getting myself together and I'm trying to get in my own image, the image that God needs me to have. And so I begin to walk around and talk about how he's healed from the top of my head to the very soles of my feet that he sent his word. And that he heals me. That if I'm a giver, then I, when I give, he will cause men to give unto me. Press down, shaking together, it runneth over. I am not convincing God. I'm talking to me. So then, he, so then we have to understand that let the Lord be magnified does not mean that God gets any bigger. If you take a magnifying glass and you look at something very small, when you use the magnifying glass, it does not get bigger. When you look through the magnifying glass, it appears bigger. But it does not get any bigger. Verse 28 holds the key. Because he says, And my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise. How long? All, all the day long. How long? All day. All day. All day when? All day every day. All day, every day, I allow my tongue to speak. Why? Because he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. He don't take no pleasure in me struggling. He doesn't take pleasure in me being broke. He doesn't take pleasure in me being sick. He's not teaching me lessons by keeping me in a certain place. He is trying to take me to another level. He's trying to take me to where he wants me to be. He's trying to give me a redemptive revelation of who he is. And that's why my tongue... So I'll speak so that the magnification happens on the inside of me. Because <laughs> I really need the world to know the greater is he 
That doesn't mean he is in the world. And sometimes I'm the one that needs to know. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Which takes us into Ephesians 3.20. Because now, now Ephesians 3.20 should have a whole new understanding for you. Because when we say, now unto him that is able, we get that he is able to do. Uh, you know, sometimes you hear people say, you know, it's like it comes a cliche, God is able, God is able, God is able. But yet and still they do nothing. And it's like, I don't know what God is able to do for you because you can't seem to see. Because when you say God is able, God is able to do what? Whatever. What do you need? When I say, the Bible says that you must come to him, believe that he is. He is what? Your healer, your victory, your banner, your shield, your shepherd, your rock, your strong tower, your hiding space. He's your strength. Your advocate, your standby. <laughs> so he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So then we know he can do exceedingly abundantly all that we could ask or imagine. Do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think or imagine or whatever image you can come up with, he can do far more than that. But it only works according to the power that worketh in you. What does it say? According to the power that worketh in us. What does that mean? It's in relationship to the power that's working in you. So why do you think that you need to continually let praise come out your mouth? Because you are building the power that worketh in you. You are building this power that's in you. You are edifying and building up the spirit man on the inside of you so that by the time you are said and done, you are 10 foot tall and bulletproof. You haven't just walked by an aquarium and the water split. You're like, I was just playing. Go back. <laughs> Why? Because greater the sea than you. But if you don't have the image magnified on the inside of you, you will begin to see yourself the way you think of yourself. And that's why what you think of and the way you see things is the what you have in your life. I assure you that if you are very much unhappy with what's in your life, it's because that's the image you have. <laughs> and instead of criticizing images that are better than yours, <laughs> whatever, just be, be born with a silver spoon in their mouth. So what? I just think they should earn it. Okay, well then show them. No, you, you don't really have a problem. Well, you're just mad you wasn't born with silver. It's really what it comes down to. And what you ought to do is get your mouth off of things that don't have nothing to do with you and get after it. Why don't you hang around and see the world they live in? See, it's a different world. Let that image begin to rub off on you. That way your faith will be built up. You'll say, wait a minute, if God can do it for them, he can do it for me. And begin to realize that your image starts to grow when you get around things that will cause you to grow. Your image don't grow down, it grows up. Other than the curious case of Benjamin Buttons, nothing grows down. And that's a movie. Everything grows. You ready, y'all? First Corinthians. I'll be at least be, uh, first, uh, first Corinthians 2 and the 6th verse. 
Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, and yet not the wisdom of this world, not of the princes of this world which come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdoms which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of these princes of the world knew. For if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen, ear has heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God have revealed them unto us by his spirit. In other words, you, there's nothing you could do to see what God can do. You, by the natural realm of your senses, your sense of sight, your sense of hearing, you will never be able to see nor hear anything that God has prepared for you. All you'll be able to get is what the world's wisdom teaches and has. But if you want to know the deeper things concerning God, God will have to reveal them unto you. Revelation has nothing to do with your eyes. It has nothing to do with your ears, but it has everything to do with your ability to discern what God has then revealed. That's why he says he's revealed it to us by his what? Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. If you notice, if you have your Bible right in there or circle Spirit with a capital S, that capital S is not speaking to your human spirit. It is speaking to the Spirit of God or the Holy Ghost. And so by the Holy Ghost, your images should come. What God reveals unto you will determine what it is you can manifest into your life. If God has a great vision for your life, don't dumb it down by dealing with people who run around like chickens when you're an eagle trying to destroy the image that's on the inside of you. If God put an image in you by the Holy Ghost, who do you think you are? Why do you think you're so much better? You think you're better than we are? I don't know anything about what you are, but what I can tell you is what I am. And I can tell you what God has revealed on the inside of me and called me to be. I am not a victim. I'm a victor. I am not weak. I am strong. I am been blessed by the best. Trust me. So I don't care what you think you might be, but if you want to come along with me, come on. Now, if you want to sit here and compare it, and I'm not going to number myself among themselves to compare themselves with themselves because that bunch is not wise. But if you want to go, come on. But don't begin to try to downplay what has been revealed on the inside of me because if my revelation happens to be different than yours, that's fine because it's not revealed by natural things. It's revealed by the Holy Ghost who has revealed it unto me. That's why it says we have not received, verse 11 rather. Let's go to verse 11 first. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man, which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Notice the capital S and the lowercase s. The spirit of man, your spirit, what knows you better than your spirit? You are, your, you are a spirit. So what knows you better than you? Nothing. That's why it says the Spirit of God, capital S, what knows God better than the Holy Ghost? He is God. So then for you to then have images that are not coming from him, to allow natural things to move you, this is why excellence agitates mediocrity. It's an image problem. <laughs> See, some people have, you know, you, you, you would say, oh, he, they just have unrealistic expectations. No, I have God-level expectations. And you're just wanting to be mediocre. And so average gets around high expectations and gets mad because it doesn't want to do the work necessary. So then the excellence in me agitates the mediocrity in you. And you want to pawn it off as if I am out of When the reality is, even whatever my expectations are, he said, I can do above what you could think. 
So his expectations are far. No matter how high you can get, he's still there. You can think ahead to your fastest moment. God's sitting there waiting on you. But yet and still, when you see people with higher expectations, I don't know what she's waiting on. She's waiting on somebody perfect. No, she's waiting on somebody better than you. He just think he's the cat's meow on the bee's knees. No, he just don't like you. <laughs> this is not elephant in the bedroom. Okay, so <laughs> notice what it says. Uh, verse 12, we have, not re- we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things which are freely given us of God. So how would you know all the freely things that are given of God? You would know by the Holy Ghost. Which things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which by the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. And when you compare spiritual things to spiritual things, guess what? Nothing bothers you. It's only when you compare natural things <laughs> and spiritual things do you find discrepancy. See, there's a natural understanding of congruency. Let me, let me explain to you congruency. Congruency is one of those challenges that people have in church. And, and by that I mean this. When you're in church, uh, a lot of times when people leave a church, and, and you know, this is probably good for you to understand, um, but when people leave a church, usually they leave a church and never really tell you why. And the reason why usually is incongruency. They'll tell you it's the toilet paper. They'll tell you the pastor said something they didn't like. They'll tell you that something happened. They'll, they'll have an excuse or a reason. It's not a reason. It's an excuse. It's an excuse. So let's stay with that. They'll have an excuse as to why they left, but the real reason they'll never tell you. And the real reason they'll never tell you is because there's incongruency there. For example, most of the time if you're in a church that preaches the word, if you are living a certain type of way, at some point there's an incongruency between the word and what you want to do and that inconsistency or incongruency will cause you to become so agitated that you have to leave in order to alleviate the pressure and attention once you alleviate the pressure and attention you get what's called a peace it is not the peace of god it is a demonic peace it's a absence of the pulling of god to pull you into where he wants you to go and you lose your correct image and he give you're given over to a reprobate mind so now you left because you really just didn't want to make change now, if, of course, you find yourself in a church that does not preach the word, you can stay there for the rest of your life. Why? Because you'll never be challenged. Your mind will never be offended to reveal your heart. <laughs> this is why when you hear me apologize for things that I'm preaching, I'm really not apologizing. I'm just trying to get you to stop being mad long enough to think about what I said. <laughs> so then... <clears throat> It says, he that is spiritual judges all things, yet himself is judged of no man. Uh, for who have known the mind of the Lord, that we may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So then everything that you see is not from God, but what you know by the Spirit of God, what's been revealed unto you, that is what God is trying to get across to you. And so if the images are changing ever so much because of the world and the natural things, then you cannot retain the image God has given you because they are competing against each other. And so the goal is to allow the Holy Ghost to form the right image in you so that with the right image in you, you can then grow into all things concerning God. I'll give you a very good example 
example of how image messes people up. Uh, let's say someone's in a hospital and they call and they say, I would like pastor to come visit me. Pastor's got a bunch of things going on, so he sends someone else. And someone else comes and you see them and you are disappointed that they showed up and it is not pastor who showed up. Well, the reality is if the Holy Ghost doesn't show up, it does not matter who showed up, but you have put more faith in man than you did in God. Because if you had the faith of, in God like you should have, the moment you called for the elders, you know I could be in my bed and sitting there and say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke and bind that sickness, and you will have to leave their physical body and go. And it will go no matter where it is in the world. I don't have to show up to be conceived by your imaginations of what you think God can do, because what if I have a higher revelation? This is why, you know, when Dad Hagen would talk about songs, certain songs that people sing, you know, because just because it's on uh, your favorite Christian radio station does not mean that it's a spiritually edifying song. Some of those songs that are being sung about sloppy wet kisses are songs they were talking about their boyfriend and it didn't make it secularly and so they decided to put God's name on it and throw it at y'all to see if y'all was dumb enough to buy into it. Well, and I hit a amen. Oh, well. And so all it is is a secular song modified to see if they can make it in the Christian world. And they're really singing about their boyfriend or their girlfriend. That's why Dad Hagen would say there's certain songs we're not going to sing. And people would say, don't you think you're being a little... He says, why would I sing at a lower revelation? There's a particular song. It, it goes like this. He gives and takes away. Yeah, wh- who are you talking to? Who are you talking about? My God never gave and took away nothing. Now, Job said that. It's truly what he said. It's, a, it's truly stated, but it's not a statement of truth. That was his revelation. I am hoping Job, since Job was the oldest book in the Bible... I am hoping our revelation has grown just a smidge since then. Do you see my point? So we're not going to sing a lower revelation. Why? Because it changes my image. How do I believe God for more if I believe what I had he took? How do I believe God for healing if I believe he's the one who made me sick? What do you do? You believe he's going to be against himself? The Bible says the house divided against itself shall not stand. You got to see this stuff. It messes people's faith up. This is what keeps them from being profitable. You ready? Let's go to uh, Psalms 103. <laughs> verse 1. <laughs> Psalms 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth thy iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that the youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executed righteousness and judgment for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses' acts, unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. 
He hath not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. Who is he talking to? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. He is talking to his, his mind, will, and emotions. He's trying to tell it, look, stop. Bless his holy name and all that's within me. Forget not his benefits. In other words, quit letting the world change your image. Quit letting your fears change your image. Notice what he says, who forgiveth all iniquities. He heals all diseases. He redeems the life from destruction. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercy. You ever see somebody, now I'm not talking about people who have occasional issues. I'm talking about people that go from issue to issue. Like their issues got issues. They need to pull themselves in the woodshed and tell, them, tell themselves, you've been redeemed from destruction. Destruction does not have a right Accident upon accident, problems upon problems, and slip upon, that has no right. He has forgiven all my iniquities, my shortcomings, my inabilities. He fearfully and wonderfully made me. He knows what I am short in. He knows what I cannot do and can't do. He forgives me for all of those things. He redeemed my life from destruction. You got to start talking to yourself and tell yourself, say, self, huh? He satisfies my mouth with good things. So that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Watch Psalms 42. Psalms 42, verse 1. As the heart panteth after the water brooks. That's not the heart. A heart is a deer. Okay? Just so you know. If you don't know, that's a heart is a deer. So as a deer panteth after the water Brooks, so panteth my soul, my soul, my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, and they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? My tears have been my meat. This is when David was being, they were talking about stoning David. They had all returned from camp and all their women and stuff was gone. And they're talking about stoning David. And David is saying, my tears have been my meat day and night. In other words, I am sorely upset and I'm hurt and I'm broken. And the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. What was he doing? Getting a better image. Trying to get himself to understand my tears have been my meat day and night. In other words, the only thing that I've eaten all day long is my tears as I've been crying and crying out to God and as my heart panteth after thee as I'm crying out unto you you will literally respond he says I remember these things I pour out my soul in me for I had gone with the multitude and went in with them into the house of God in the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept the holy day why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and from the Hermonites and the hill miser. Deep calleth unto deep. Oh my God. <laughs> the noise of thy water spouts, all thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. 
Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night. His song shall be with me in my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto the God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? In other words, why would I even let these things affect me? He's talking to himself. He's dealing with himself. Some of y'all need to really, really stop praying to God for a minute. Go back to praying to him. But some of you need to put yourselves in the woodshed and start talking to yourself. Why am I so disquieted? Why did I let my image get changed? Why is the circumstance working on me in such a degree that my enemies are coming at me, but yet and still I, I keep putting my eyes on my enemies and not on my deliverer? What's wrong with you? And then answer yourself, I don't know. <laughs> Y'all talk to yourselves anyway? You don't want nobody to know you're talking to yourselves? And it ain't bad to talk to yourself. It's really when you start answering yourself, that's kind of, <laughs> that's where the slippery slope kind of <laughs> exists. But notice what he said, Saul, why are you so disquieted? What's your problem, Saul? What's going on? What's the issue here? And that's where you have to be. Because you've got to get the right image. And when your image is tainted, that's where the struggle is. I remember back in the days when, you know, uh, some of you may not know what I'm talking about, but when television was in, in air TV, there wasn't any cable. It was just air. You had an antenna. And, you know, some of us had antennas with a wire hanger and then some aluminum foil. And, you know, you had to bend it a certain way to get the station to come in. And then if you got it as, if you were the kid, as you got it a certain way and the station came in, your job was to stay there while your parents watched us. <laughs> Don't move. <laughs> well, because the signal's weak. And some of you wonder why your image keeps changing and you keep blaming God as if something... No, it's your, your signal's weak. You don't have enough in you for that image. You haven't really built it on you. you. You just haven't built it. You just got glimpses every once in a while. You try to go off running, it's really not in you. And so the moment poverty pops up, every image of prosperity you have goes out the window. And you start explaining it away. Well, that's not for me or that's for them, but maybe that's just not God's plan in my life. It would be as well. And then you wonder why your faith does not produce the way you would like for it to produce. Hebrews 6, 13. Hebrews 6, 13. It says, For when God made a promise to Abram, because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself, saying, Surely, blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by a greater, an oath, a confirmation is to them the end of all strife wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, which is impossible for God to lie, we might have the con strong consolation that we have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set us before us, which hope we have as an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil. We have, uh, go back. That two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. The hope that is set before us. The image, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith can only build your image. Whatever image you have is what faith can build. If you have no image 
or you have a wrong image, that's what your faith is going to build, right? So we know that we have to have the right image on the inside of us. Image is the same as our hope. So whatever it is you hope for, that's what your image is, correct? So then lay a hold upon the hope or the image that is set what? Before us, right? And verse, next one. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. This is an anchor. And he says, which image we have as an anchor of our soul. And if we have an anchor, once your anchor is set, if you've ever been on a boat, you've owned a boat, you've piloted a boat, captained the boat, been in the boat, know what a boat is, you know boats have anchors. The reason why a boat has an anchor is because a boat will float. There's nothing to keep it stable. And so the point, yeah, exactly, it goes with the current. Wherever the water wants to take it, wherever the world wants to take it, that's where the boat goes. And so when you have an image, it becomes your anchor. And you can't go any further from that image because it's anchored in the right place. And some of you, the reason why you can't obtain the very thing you're looking for, the prosperity or the gifting or whatever it is you're desiring, is because you're anchored to the wrong image. And so it's just beyond your grasp because until you get rid of that image and become anchored to the right image. See, right now, I can't go any further. And when you have the right image on the inside of you, when you know who you really are in Christ, it is hard for Satan to then try to push you outside of the boundaries and to give you a different image because I'm tied to this image. This is the image of the one who created me. I define myself by the God who literally created me. When Jesus went and found himself in the word and he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, he found himself in the word. What did he do? He went and got the right image. And once he got that image, he said, let me tell you who I I really am. Let me tell you whose I am. I was created fearfully and wonderfully made. I am created in the image of God. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can literally speak things as my God would speak them and I can call those things that are not as though they are. Why? Because I can believe against your image. Because I'm anchored to the right image. My soul is connected to who I really am. And I don't go far from this thing because it anchors me. So now when the storms come and it tries to push me, I'm anchored. Nice try, devil. But I ain't buying that. Why? Because greater is he is in me than he is in the world. You said I'm more than an overcomer. You said, I'm blessed going in and blessed going out. You told me that you would give me vineyards I did not plant. You would give me houses I did not build. See, I'm anchored. I'm anchored. When your mind ain't anchored, boy, it go anywhere it wants to go. Your mind will go all kinds of ways and think all kinds of things and talk all kinds of stupid stuff. And then you wonder why the image you have is what's being created in your life. But when you are anchored to the word of God, when you find yourself in the word and you are anchored to what God has said about you, it's hard to move you into different places because you're anchored. And your soul is not all over the place. You've got to create an image that's great enough to carry you in your life. Because you can't live off mine. <laughs> you can't live off of mine. Let's go to Proverbs 29.18. Let's put in the Amplified.
<laughs> Bless God. He's so good to us, isn't he? Proverbs 29, 18, Amplified Classic, please. Where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. But he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, is blessed, happy, fortunate, enviable. Blessed means I'm empowered to prosper. Where there is no vision, there's no redemptive revelation of God. No redemptive revelation of God. So many people struggle with understanding what a redemptive revelation is. Redemptive is extremely important. So let me give you uh, a story. Young boy. Uh, finds a bunch of wood and materials and stuff, and he builds himself a model boat. Beautiful, exquisite model. He has it in his home, sets it up for display. A couple weeks go by, and the boat disappears. He goes looking, tears up the whole house, looking for this boat. He cannot find this boat. He's searching high and low. A couple weeks go by. He is walking down Main Street, happens to walk past a store, and in the store window is his boat. He runs into the store happily because he has now found his boat, and he says to the shop owner, hey, sir, that is my boat right there. I built that boat. Shop owner says, I don't know about all that. He says, but I just bought the boat a couple days ago, and if you want it, it'll cost you a dollar. Little boy walks out the store, a little frustrated, but he goes home. He collects all of his money and his change and his coins, and he gets together one dollar. He goes back into the store, and he goes to the shop owner. He says, here is the $1. He purchases his boat, and he goes on about his way. As he is walking with his boat, he is so excited, and he says to his boat, I made you, and I have now bought you. That is redemption. And so what begins to happen with a lot of people when he says they have no redemptive revelation, they have their old revelation. They do not have a redemptive one. In other words, they might have been a womanizer uh, before God, but now in God, they are not. Well, they might have been a druggie uh, before. They might have been a crackhead before. They might have been drinker before. They might have been an alcoholic before. They might have been abusive before. They might have been a liar before. They might have stole before. They might have been cheaters before. They might have been a lot of things before. But then when God brought them back, he brought them back into a redemptive position with him. Now I'm created in his likeness. I am created in the image of him. I am a partaker of a divine nature on the inside of me is the Holy Ghost and the love of God is shed abroad so when I used to hate I now love when I used to do this I now do that when I used to be this I now was that now here's the truth of the matter maybe people don't like you it don't matter there are people who can't stand you there are people who think you are nothing but God went in and bought you he bought you with a price he paid everything he had to get you back you might not have meant a thing to anybody else in the world nobody else would have thought about you nobody else liked you but God said I'm going to take back what I purchased because it's mine I made you you are fearfully and wonderfully made and according to my redemptive plan I created you for a purpose and for a calling for such a time as this and I made you to be what I called you to be now that's my redemptive reality he said my redemptive vision revelation not your old one because here's the problem. You keep dealing with God according to your old. You keep dealing with God according to what you used to be. <laughs> 
you call yourself keeping yourself humble. Reminding myself of where I came from. Why? If you liked it so much, why didn't you stay there? Well, I just want to keep myself knowing where I came from. And now you're anchored to where you came from. So now every time I try to tell you about where you can go, you're like, oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I'm, that's, that's what I want. You sure? Yeah, but I got to keep myself humble. You don't know where I came from. And you take more pride in where you came from because you've got a low revelation. But until you get a redemptive revelation of who God created you to be, you get broken from the chains that will bind you and hold you to stuff that don't matter anymore. And you begin to see the world in the light of a redemptive revelation. That's why it says the people perish. Because they don't have a redemptive. Put, put it, <laughs> he says, that's how you're blessed. Blessed is what? Empowered to prosper. Right? Put that in the message, please. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are the most blessed. See, I like being blessed. But I want to be most blessed. (laughs) Somehow most blessed sounds a little more better than just blessed. Now listen, I could take blessed. I mean, I'm good with it. Blessed is good. But most blessed is more better. But I can't get there unless I have a redemptive revelation. I have to have a God vision. I've got to have a God revelation of what this looks like. See, because some of you, your revelations is you. If, If what you are believing God for doesn't intimidate you, it's likely to be insulting to God. <laughs> See, that's why I said he's most blessed. You ready? One more place and I'm done. James chapter 1, verse 2. James chapter 1, verse Put that in the uh, King James, please. My brethren, who's he talking to? Because you're believers, he's talking, if he's saying believers, my brethren, he's talking about believers, which means he's talking to you. So, my brethren, count it all joy. When you fall, when, not if, when, you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have a perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting Nothing, for if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of sea driven to the wind and tossed. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord, for a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. A double-minded man, a double-souled, a double-souled man. The word mind is soul, soul, mind, mind, soul, image, image, the same word, image. 
The double-imaged man is unstable in all of his ways. One who vacillates back and forth between two different images is unstable in all their ways because they can't seem to break free from the old image, so they hold onto both of them, thinking that they both can exist at the same time. No man can serve two masters. He'll either hate the one or love the other. There's nothing you can do. You become unstable. Go back to verse 7. He says, let not that man, what kind of man, the man who's double-minded, think he can get anything from God. You can't get anything from God being double-minded. You better settle it in your heart who you are and what you are. You better settle it in your heart what you're believing in for. Because the moment that conflict comes and strife comes and you go back to your old self, See, I just knew this stuff wasn't going to work. See, I just knew this. See, I just knew. That's because you have two images and you haven't let go of the old one. And because you keep holding on to the old one, you keep vacillating back and forth between the two. And that's why you should not ever think you're going to get anything from God because you can't stay with the image that God gave you. And that makes you unstable. And then you have convinced yourself, well, I have the right to change my mind. No, you don't. I just, you know, I'm, I'm fickle. And broke. Constantly wonder, where's God? How come God? Where about God? Where's God? God probably won't want you. How come? You won't. How come? God's like, which you can believe. All things are possible. Well, God, how come you won't? Right back at you. Which can you believe? What's according to the power to work within you? What can you believe me for? Ask me for it. <laughs> I was uh, <clears throat> I, I had a particular car in my head that I wanted and I really wanted something else but I had this other image and the other one was not so big as the one I really wanted but I felt like I was doing God a favor by not trying to ask for too much so Lord told me ask me for it I said, huh? <laughs> he said, ask me for it. I'm, now, now listen, I'm, I'm just, I'm being transparent. I was like, yeah, but what if I ask for it and you don't give it to me? <laughs> he never answered that question. He just said, ask me for it. And I did. And I have it. And when it came, it made me nervous. And I said, okay, now what am I going to do? And so I called uh, Pastor Ricky. As y'all know, he's my spiritual father. His birthday is today, by the way. So, so tell him happy birthday. Go on his Facebook. Send him a message. Blow him up. Bombard him. Let him know he's loved here. Amen. So I called him and I said, okay, now, Dad, what am I going to do? Because <clears throat> you know how people are. <laughs> and he said, he said, let me see if I understand this correctly. He goes, you operate multiple organizations. You have businesses. You have plenty that God is moving in your life about, and you're concerned about what? I said, you know how people are. Why do I got to have that kind of car? Why? And he says, what does it matter? People didn't give it to you. <laughs> he said, I'll tell you what you do. He said, you go in the church. 
put a picture of it up on the screen, and celebrate and tell everybody you got it. I said, hold on, you serious? I'm private as it is. You want me just to put all my stuff in the street? He says, yeah, that's what you got to do. <laughs> so I came in here with my happy self, uncomfortable. Some of y'all were here when it happened, and I did it. I did it completely by faith because I didn't want to do that. I'm like, y'all just will never know. <laughs> but see, it was wrong for me to not allow the image to win. Some of you, you, you just got to let go because you, you relate too well to the wrong image. You get too much negative attention from the wrong image. See, every time you act sick, people pay attention to you. So you go from sickness to sickness because it garners attention. And you have no idea you've learned that that's your coping mechanism. And so you can't walk into healing because you're anchored. You've allowed a lower image to win. That's why I said you're unstable in all, in all your ways. Because you can't vacillate between two images. <laughs> There's too much attention when you're broke. You, 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 you get more out of people giving you things. You'd rather eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table than to be sitting at the table. Can you imagine what that looks like? Think about it for a second. You'd rather eat the crumbs. Can you imagine you came to my house and I invited you over for dinner and we're all sitting down, and you get down on your fours and, and, and on the floor, and you're waiting for me to throw scraps. And I'm like, no, 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 get up, get up, get up, sit right here. Because he prepareth a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He did not call me to eat scraps. I get to sit at the table. <laughs> but if you're not used to that, you will automatically come crawling to the table instead of walking to the table. And God needs you to understand there's an image he's trying to put in you. It's not what eyes have seen. It's not what ears have heard. It's what he's revealed to you in your heart. You don't have the right to judge my image. If God told me to ask me for it, and I asked him for it, and he gave it to me, then it's, it's between me and him and not you. Now, if you feel so compelled to want to talk about what God has done for me, then just let me know where I can send the bill. See, everybody want to talk about what they don't want to fund. <laughs> and if you want to talk about it, you should fund it. Then you can talk about it. <laughs> Why are everybody so quiet in this full gospel church? But what I'm trying to get you to understand is there's an image God's trying to give you an image of your healing, an image of your health, an image of your finances, an image of your life, an image of your relationships. There's images. There's a redemptive revelation. It's higher That's right. than what you think it is. That's right. And every time in your faith you want to throw it back on God, God's like, what can you believe? All things are possible to them that believe. If you're willing to believe me for it, I'll do it. As long as my word says it, he said, these two immutable things. He said, and the first one is, he cannot lie. 
If he promises it to you, you can have it. That becomes the anchor of your soul. Now when your soul and your little mind wants to run rampant, that little drunk monkey on your shoulders wants to go rampant, you're like, no, we're anchored. This boat only goes where the anchor goes. (laughs) And you can hold to the very thing God has for you. And then you have mixed it with faith. And then you become profitable. (laughs) Because now your faith is going to start to produce the image. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We thank you for revelation. We thank you for your presence here even right now. We can sense your presence here, Father. We're so grateful for it. We don't take it as a light thing at all. We hold it so dear and so precious. We treat it as a pearl of great price that you would show up in such a way that you would manifest yourself by the Holy Ghost. We thank you for your leading. We thank you for your revelations. We thank you for the insights you give us, the clarity you give us. Because we know that when we walk in the light we have, the word always says you'll give us more light. It brings shider and shider unto a perfect or a mature day. We thank you for it right now in Jesus' name. All the believers in the house said, Amen.